0: Transforming community, peace in our human family, volume unity, divine light shining individually, collectively transforming community, peace in our human family.
1: As above, so below. Feel the pain in my soul. The pill dissolved. Organized, no matter the cost. Politicians start wars. They don't fight. They sit in the pool. And nothing lasts forever. As long as we stay together, give hell to the masses. Watch the unity rapture. This is for the kids and the culture. It's one love, one growth, one light. Light warriors. <sighs> <Man>. Huh. <laughs> up, Brad. Uh, How's it yeah. going? Brad M- Brad McDowell, right? That's how you McDowell. It. McDowell. McDowell. Let's go, McDowell. <laughs> awesome. Um you are a city councilman and you are also running for mayor. Um, yeah. Yeah, I believe we're about the same age, right? I was 28. You're 28. Okay, so I'm 29, so I got you by a year. Yeah. Um, that's freaking awesome. Good to see young people like us trying to like do something like this and get it going because you know we need more reputation like that you know what i mean like that's so fucking dope um for every for the audience um if you could give them like a brief background on how you got into uh being a city councilman and how you got involved with politics yeah yeah. a little background where you're from and all that stuff
2: yeah i'll try it is a long story i actually went into it right i feel like you know, uh, politicians get into it for one of two reasons, right? Either they want to be a politician or or something happens and they they just get involved, right? Like they get involved mm-hmm. as an organizer to try to fix things. Um, and that's sort of the latter is sort of what happened for me, right? So um, I had kind of just accidentally gotten involved in campaigns during college. I studied political science, kind of thought about going – like I was toying with going to law school and a, a professor of mine – I uh, found. I found out uh, like two years in. He was like, "Yeah, you have to get involved in campaigns at some point. You have to have an experiential credit." So, I got involved with uh, the Democratic Party in 2014. Uh, mm-hmm. There were actually three choices for governor at the time, and you know, none of them were great. But you know, there <laughs> were some, there were some really awesome uh, state candidates that you got to work with, though, like State Representative uh, Robin Porter. I, I got to do some work for. Uh, in 2014. So, you know, definitely was an amazing experience. Um, And I found a place where I was like, oh, this is awesome, right? Like, I feel like I'm making a tangible change. So I stuck with it. I ended up working for Bernie in New Hampshire in 2015-16 for that primary. Um, That was pretty awesome. And then um, I ended up coming back to Connecticut. And and, uh, after graduation, I ran a Senate race Uh, which is where I ran back into Justin. Justin and I had known each other in high school and uh, ran back into him at this Senate race. And we worked together on that. Um, Meanwhile, there was this, there was uh, this community in, in uh, Hamden called Rocky top. And there was going to be this environmentally disastrous development. Come to find out this guy wasn't even going to finish the development. He was going to blast 98 feet off the top of a mountain, um, Mm -hmm. which was going to be massively environmentally disastrous. He was he wasn't gonna finish the project. He was gonna mine twelve to fifteen million dollars of trap rock out of that and then bankrupt and leave the project undone. Yeah. So it was it was messy. So uh the community kind of came together organized around that and the elected leaders like in that community didn't show up. And so I put a call out to him and I was like, listen, you know, you're elected for this, you have to show up. I'm out here in other communities running campaigns, don't think that I won't do this for my own community. I think right. I was 22, 23 at the time. Uh, I'm young. And, I'm young. <laughs> yeah. and like, they didn't take me seriously. Right. So yeah. I, they didn't show up and we ran and we won. So that was kind of how, uh, that was kind of how I stumbled into eventually running for office. Um, right. And then, you know, once you get involved in city council, you start seeing uh, that there are a lot of other deeper issues involved. So, right. Um. Yeah. It's just. It's been a wild ride. Um. You know. We've been able to do a lot of great things, but there's a lot of things that we have yet to be able to accomplish. And and I think that taking the mayor's office is key to getting that done.
1: Word. 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 Well, how's it how's it going, Justin? Going all right. I uh, apologize. It's a couple of minutes late on. Oh, here. No, you're fine, bro. You're fine. Um, I was just asking Brad about how did he get involved. Um, and I just realized we're all about the same age, which is fucking dope. <laughs> um, so, if you could get like a summary of how you got involved into uh, becoming senior city cal- senior councilman, I,
0: uh, well, I think as time goes on, that becomes a more and more interesting conversation for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, as you know, I've always been doing activism. Um, and that activism was really born out of uh, uh, 17. I was diagnosed with Tourette's wear mm-hmm. noise-canceling headphones because I'm sensitive to noise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I always kind of had a philosophy of, like, man, I really care, but people suck. Like, I'm just, <laughs> like, I I don't know, like, nah. So I was, like, cool, I'm going to be a marine biologist. I'm going to take care of these fish. I'm going to take care of this ocean. Wow, nice. And, like people eh. and then i got sick um at 17 and from there mm-hmm. i just got involved in labor movement got the in environmental movement women rights just was everywhere right nice. um and for one of my classes uh for a political science class i was trying to figure out how to do all these different things i needed a quick class to take um, the irony was that I, I took—I uh, could either take a research methods class or I could take um, an internship. So I took an internship um, because it was so late. Uh, they were like, uh, the professor was like, listen, fam, you can take this board and research methods class or you can take an internship. So I can set you up, put you on a campaign, mm. work on a campaign. I was like, "Cool, all politicians are feds and sellouts." I'm not interested in it. Um, I've thought about it. They don't do anything mm. for the most part. That has not changed. Um mm. Perspective of that does has not changed much.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I told him like, "Yeah, no." I'm. He's like, "Cool. Well, you can do this research methods class and like, you know, write a 500 page report and." Da-da. I was like, "Cool." I <laughs> I'm going to work on a campaign, right? So I've worked on campaigns before. Um, at the time, the uh, the labor movement in New Haven was encouraging me to run nice. uh, in, in New Haven. Um, and, and at the same time, Brad was encouraging me because uh, he was planning on running. He's like, you should run in Hamden. And I was mm.
1: like,
0: well, everybody in the mother's like, I should be running. And I'm like, I'm just like, didn't y'all just hear me say all oh, politicians are feds and sellers? y'all like, like, <laughs> seem to be confused. Like, am I speaking a foreign language? Like you hey, don't understand what I'm saying. Like um and then Trump won. Uh, yeah. Um, and so I was like, Cool, I'm gonna run an issues campaign and show my community like, yo, I can show you better than I could tell you, right?
1: Mm. Right, it then right. has
0: some low key racism. I'd say high key racism now, right? It ain't even low key, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I wanted to point out the issues and say, Hey, we need to do better, we need to get it right. Um, and to my surprise, I won. Um, and since then, I've been involved, and I kind of just like, Hold on, why'd y'all left me? I was here <laughs> to like call. Like right, I'm like, yo, why are you electing me?
1: <laughs> Look, let me just say, man, I feel like, or right, you know how they talk about the squad in DC. I feel like you guys are literally the squad in Hamden. Um, I want to tell a quick story before I segue to a, some questions. Um, one thing that I love about this, uh, when I first met you, Brad, I actually I didn't even meet you. I was uh, scanning you. I was researching into you actually um i don't know if justin farmer remember but i came up to him one time i was like yo that's your boy what he about like <laughs> you know what i mean and everything i've saw has just been so great you guys have been on the front lines 24 7 battling with those councilmen uh, and councilwomen um and just always representing the community and you know i usually i don't know you guys see me on facebook i always go in on the democrats the most because as a leftist you know I feel like it's my job to talk shit about the the DNC whenever they're fucking up. And, of course, the Republicans are bad, but I think it's important to have a conversation about what's going on with the Democratic Party if we're going to actually uh, want them to be involved in our lives in so much in a bigger way. So one thing I see is, like, you guys are, like, one of the most best – examples of how the democratic party can change and how it could be actually for the people. Um, and my, my first question is, um, before I get into the, the, the few questions that the Hamden um, your Hamden constituents have asked, um, do you think it's worth, cause I, I noticed Justin, um, that you also mentioned about like your issues with uh, the political science, uh, Brad and Justin, do you guys think it's worth, uh, trying to, do you think there's a value in the political science, uh, courses that are, um, within this uh, country or do you think there should be like a revamp of what actual political science is um, uh, which whoever wants to go first can answer that question <laughs>
2: I, I mean I'll say so I I think it, there's a lot of different factors there right there's a lot of different schools a lot of different professors I got lucky that I had one and, and not, not to say that I didn't have uh three or four like amazing professors mm-hmm. um But there was one in particular who really, uh, like for me, college was not, I was not the best student, right? Like I, that's not that I was disruptive. I was very involved in conversation in class. I found the conversation very interesting, but I also worked three jobs while I was in school, right? Like just what I had to do to get by and get through school, right? So for me, it was like, what can I do to pay my bills and also get this degree, right? Right. Um, sometimes that meant going in and working a shift and missing an assignment that I knew that I could miss without failing. Right. Mm -hmm. So without failing the class. So, you know, there was one professor in particular who I think identified that and always was, uh, was incredibly, um, accommodating to that. Um, you know, not necessarily that I got endless extensions, but, but saw that there was potential for me to be involved in, uh, in in, in things in the community, uh, in a way that, you know, homework just wasn't going to cut it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would say that for me, that was what was really valuable there. I had incredible classes, right. I, I, um, Dr. Brown Dean is one person in particular who is a local scholar. And I know that she's worked at Yale. She's now, uh, she's, she's still at Quinnipiac and, and in particular, I know that she's done PBS documentaries, um, things, like, things of that nature. So I had access to amazing scholars, but like I said, this one professor who really saw that there was potential outside the classroom, um, I wouldn't be in this position without that person. So I think that, yeah, in the classroom is definitely valuable, but that one individual, that one professor was really what made, I think, the difference for me. So I don't know if that directly answered your question. Of course, I think there's value to the education, but I also think we need you know, there, there, that professor took a holistic approach that I think was life changing
0: for me. Yeah, I, I would say no, right? I, 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 and I'm coming from a left perspective that, you know, we the way that we teach, first of all, depending on who you get, right. And, and I think uh, Professor Wharton uh, at Southern Connecticut, uh, despite him being a libertarian, uh, really a light Republican, um, I think the funny thing is he's probably one of the professors I've seen who's really, as students say they're interested in politics, he really, really uh, tries to connect them with the resources and, and and information to do so. I think most political science departments, from what I see, they teach popular events. They teach about situations. It's more historic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them go into data, right? Like uh, how data is collected and how data is informed for, for politics, but don't actually talk about power. Right, uh, that's so much what politics is about. is about power, it's yes. about who has it and yeah. who uses it and how to use it and coalitions, right?
1: Yeah. And I don't
0: think that is really explained in American politics, especially in education. Um, I don't think there is really a historical context. Like when we talk about our politics. We don't really talk about contemporary times. We either talk about the American Revolution, talk about the Civil War. Sometimes we'll talk about the Civil Rights Era, but you know, post nineteen seventies, so, and you get some courses that talk about post nine eleven and talk about Patriot Act things like that. But we don't really talk about. We make it seem like America always had two parties. That is false. Right, the weak part. Oh, yeah, like like four or five parties, right? Like, we don't talk about that, right? Right. We don't talk about the fact that, right? People always say, Oh, white men, landowners. I'm like, Fam, originally, it wasn't even landowners, Mm -hmm. uh, had exclusive rights to vote, right? So, Mm -hmm. I would say, in general, the way we teach political science is more historic and not is, uh, I, I think there are very few schools, right? Like the Harvard Kennedy School, right? Mm-hmm. I teach people like, yo, know, we're going to put you on politics, right? Mm. And the schools that do are like the Harvard Kennedy School versus like, I ain't going to the Harvard Kennedy School. <laughs> right? <I ain't. laughs> cool. Like, even if I knew, right? Yes. Even if I could go back in time and I knew,
1: yeah, I ain't going to the Harvard kid. <laughs> oh damn! All right. <laughs> so, Hamden, this uh beautiful city that is above uh New Haven, um, we 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 have we have built great relationships with being on the streets and also um you guys fighting to make sure that everyone gets a platform. when when there were uh, hearings going on and we were there all night, stuff like that. How do you feel about the climate now uh, with Mayor Lane um, being in office still um, with police brutality? How do you guys feel about Hamden right now? Is there any shift of changes or do you think that there needs to be a big incentive going on with tackling this police issue?
2: Yeah, I don't, I, I, there has been no change. There's, there's been no change. There's been, there's been, uh, we're going to put out statements. We're going to say things, right. But Mm -hmm. that's like, Hey, we're going to declare racism, a public health emergency, but then we're going to divert $33,498 from COVID money for PPE to Mm -hmm. buying the police department a drone. Right. Um, Oh God. So, So Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's it, it's there's there it it's frustrating right because people are seeing things like oh Hamden declared racism a public health emergency right oh the mayor put out a statement acknowledging X Y or Z right they must be doing something about it right and the answer to that is just no
0: right yeah. um,
2: so you know I I think that you know if we if we we obviously need radical change uh, on that issue and. It's just not moving. The needle has not moved
0: If I can um uh, 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 deviate from your question and then come back to it okay. um, I, I, I think you know it is clear after last year, it's always been clear, right? Public safety has to be reimagined, right? And I think something that a lot of people grapple with, well, actually, I would argue actually not a lot of people grapple with it. A lot of people are discomfort of thinking and envisioning and, and actively participating in what public yes. safety means and what it is, right? Because yes. when we say public safety, people think of policing. That's like, well, you're not for public safety. You don't want You want criminals to run around. You want this. Like, now I want public safety, right? I want to be able to go to the corner store and not worry if dude looking at me weird is gonna pull a gun, right? Right. I I but like I think when we talk about what public safety is, that becomes much different, right? Public safety is knowing that, all right, you know, not only that I can go to the store and not have someone pull a gun on me, but that I don't get hit by a car, right? Because people are actually following our our, our 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 laws for the roads, right? Public safety is, right, that people are wearing masks when there's super contagious variants of diseases that are airborne and transmittal, right? right. Uh, public safety is making sure that we actually deal with the climate crisis so that we don't have Right? In Germany, you just have two hundred people die from a historic flood where it basically rained the amount of rain that they get in a month, right? They got in like two days, right? In in China, right? The amount of rain that they give in that province in a year, they got in a day, right? And flooded out. Thirty people were killed right? That is public safety. And we don't talk about that aspect of public safety. But to bring it back to a Hamden context, right? Mm -hmm. Do I think police brutality is being dealt with? I'm not sure, right? During the pandemic, we had six months go by where our traffic commission, who is also our police commission, did not meet. Jesus, They did not take the complaints of community members. They were not a looking into keeping our streets safe uh uh in terms of, as a bicyclist right mm-hmm. as a got flex now got my one wheel right as a person <laughs> uh uh alternative transportation right, right as a right. person you know walking through a crosswalk that is also public safety that has not been addressed in terms of police misconduct we would rather have pr campaigns to talk about police being good people, right? Yeah. Rather than to talk about public safety. Fam, nobody is out here saying politicians are good people, right? <laughs> nobody is spending all a ton of this money to be like, have your kids hang out with politicians and know that they're not all corrupt, right? If I was like, hey, have your kids hang out with politicians and actually know that we do work, that is important to them, and that we're not all sell out thieves and feds and ops, right? <laughs> People be like, "Eh, I'm not really interested in that, right? But then we do it with police and it's like, well, people have to know to trust and go and communicate with the police. Cool. I would argue the same thing about politics and I don't even like politicians, right? Right. But that is not what we are talking about, right? We're talking about when abuses of power happen, are the police being held accountable? And we are talking about, are we keeping people safe, right? right? And I think... A lot of these conversations have come down to moral conversations about whether people are good or bad. Uh, I'll, I'll surmise my thoughts with this. I, I had an officer who was wearing normal clothes. It was, happened to be the verdict of Derek Chauvin. Uh, not the verdict, but the sentencing hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a police cruiser saw me and I was like, all right, whatever. Kind of looked at them. They kind of looked at me. I'm like, okay, that was kind of weird. But I was like, cool, I'm a like, to and keep it dipping, right? I'm like, just listening to my music. I'm on my bike. I'm like, okay, let's go, right? <laughs> um, and then the police car circles around to where I would get back onto the bike path and cuts me off at the bike path at the intersection of me. I was like, are you Justin Farmer? I was just like, yes, like, what? what's going on? Like, oh, I just wanted to let you know I'm a cop. I live in town. Um, I wanted you to know we're not all bad people. And, you know, there's some of us who are doing good stuff. And da, da, da. I'm like, cool, fam. I have family members who are law enforcement officers. I have family members in the military, right? I don't feel that we need more military intervention, right? Yeah. I don't feel that policing, right? I believe that policing as we have it now should be abolished, right? I'm more interested in public safety than policing. I, I'm not concerned with controlling people's behavior to make them be accountable. I'm more invested and in, interested in investing in creating a community that holds each other accountable, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and this I was like, cool, fam. I don't have the privilege of choosing who I get to work with, right? We have such dire situations and communities first need. Like, oh, here's my business card. Link up with me, talk with me. I'm willing to talk with you. I'm willing to work with you on stuff that needs to be worked on. Right. But let me be clear I do not believe policing as an institution should exist. As is, I just don't, right? It demonstrably has to be changed so much so that you could not call it the same institution. It's not a distinction without a difference, right? It's very different because fundamentally you would have to change so much that it wouldn't be feasible to call it policing, right? Mm. Mm. So I don't think that has changed in Hampton, right? I see Hampton, you know, we're going to do a pal. We're going to have our police play with kids and get paid overtime to play sports with kids. That's not public safety,
1: right? Yeah. Uh, God, no, because yeah, they're playing with kids one day, then they're going to shoot the kid the next day. Like, it's just well,
0: not, not even that. I'm just like, yo, the money to keep these kids off of the street, the money oh, for yeah. programming, right? Why am mm-hmm. I paying you time to hang out with kids? Right. <laughs> that, cool. I should be that, too. Experts yep. that too. Who hang out with kids who teach them and, and, and put knowledge into their brain and redirect them. Right. Experts to do that. Right. I'm not going to send my plumber to go and fix, you know, my computer. Right. So Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Like when it comes to public safety, there are times where we have policing. We act as policing is the tool that fix everything in public safety. And I'm like, cool. You know, whether you like them or not. Right. Dr. Fauci telling me health advice on what's going on with COVID for masks that is effective having police come around and be like you better wear your mask otherwise i'm gonna put you in jail like that don't help the police that don't help me do will help keep people safe right no so yeah. i would say i'll i would say in hamden we are still wedded to this idea of policing people mm-hmm. rather than to figure out what public safety is
1: mm-hmm. well thank, thank you for that um that, that actually helps me because you guys you actually both of y'all mentioned um, something about money which is such a big deal um and a lot of the rhetoric you're hearing now um what, what, which you have uh, mentioned justin uh, is about abolishing the police is something that i agree with is it's also a nuanced conversation as well too and i see brad is definitely in agreement as well with that too uh, but right now you see that the big mainstream thing is uh defund the police um is that something that um for brad basically on, on you're running for mayor so is there is there something that you are thinking about like putting together to talk about defunding the police mm-hmm. um and um, that actually is a question that uh a Hamden a constituent asked me last night is like if you guys are where would the money be allocated to um, right
2: yeah so i We have to be thinking about where we're putting money and whether it's producing the result that we're looking for. Right. Had this conversation time and time again during budget season. Are are we getting the results that we're expecting? Like every dollar we put somewhere, we should have a tangible expectation about what that's going to produce. And if it doesn't produce that, we should be asking whether or not that dollar continues to be spent there. So does money need to be reallocated to public safety? Absolutely. Right. That's, that's, that's absolutely, that's a bare minimum. We need to be figuring out, cool. We don't have public safety right now. That's not, the public is not safe. How do we fix that? Right. So absolutely. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people that need to be at the table for that conversation. Um, You know, that's not something that I think ought to be, you know, decided unilaterally by one person. Um, you know, however, I will say that like for the cost of the bike patrols, which by the way, I don't know if we, you know, Justin talks about it a lot, so it's out there, but the bike patrols, every, every time you see a cop on a bike, that's overtime, right? They don't do that. Oh, They they say, Hey, we're transitioning to community police, but it's going to happen on overtime, right? So that all that bike patrol happens on overtime you could re you could house every homeless person in Hamden for the cost of that bike police that that overtime that overtime budget right there that houses every homeless person in Hamden right Mm. um when we're talking about food insecurity which something like 13% and I believe that that was a severely undercounted number but something like 13% of Hamden residents were severely food insecure before the pandemic we're talking about like two years before the pandemic right 2018 ish that was the number um that number has skyrocketed. We had, we had cars lining out the parking lot of the middle school, right. Wow. For food. And that was the folks that had cars to get to the middle school. Right. So we need to think a lot more about allocating resources to those kinds of initiatives, right. That are going to keep people fed housed. You know, I, I think that that helps uh, that 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 is the the tip of the iceberg in terms of addressing those those issues, right? And and helping people not be in a situation of desperation where they feel like they need to do something to to help feed their family, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, absolutely. And then I you know I think Justin, I don't think I could really say it any better than Justin, right? What we're doing right now is not we've 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 tied these two things together, right? Pub- policing is public safety, right? Mm you have you, and it's, it's wild to me, right? Because people don't do the same thing for education, right? Board of education in the last decade, and I'm not including this budget. Um, but like in the 10 years prior to the budget that we have now, the board of ed saw a uh, 14% increase in their budget. The police department saw something like that. It was like 40 something percent, right? I can't remember the exact number. It was a while ago that we did this. The police saw 40 something percent. Now, when people look at education, they're like, Hey, the data, the metrics, Students are not better now than they were 10 years ago. So where's this money going, right? And we know that it is just disproportionately heading, uh, going towards administrative costs, and that is an issue, right? But for some reason, you have a lot of people in town who can look at the Board of Ed and say critically, hey, that 14% increase hasn't translated into better results. What's going on here? We need to think about the money that we're spending at the Board of Ed. But then when you have, you know, uh, uh, when, when we talk about crime or public safety you hear the opposite well we need more cops throw more throw more money at the police department it's like that hasn't that hasn't kept us safe to the yeah. of, i think it was for and again it was the mid 40s somewhere i think it was 47 percent in the last year to the board of ed's 14 percent wow what if we're thinking about public safety education would be a much better investment right Education ends up in the classroom. Right. And it not, not education alone, but we need to think critically about things like education, economic development that actually brings good jobs and benefits to the community, Uh, housing, food security, right. Those are the things that are going to help lift up communities in a way that this other nonsense doesn't need to happen. Right. So uh, I think we need to be more proactive and less reactionary and, you know, policing is inherently a reactionary institution.
1: Oh my God, facts.
2: They <laughs> call after things have happened, right? And yeah. you know, I'm not I'm so I, I like I said, I'm one person is not gonna be able to decide the solutions. There are a lot of people that need to come to the table. But I think that's part of what we're trying to do here, right? I think mm-hmm. we're trying to democratize the the decision making process. We have a bunch of people in a back room right now making decisions in the town hall, making decisions in the government center, right? Maybe some of those are taking place on Zoom right now, but those there's a very few set of people who are making all the decisions for, I don't know where our census numbers are going to end up next month, but I think they're going to be somewhere closer to 70,000, right? In the past, we've been 62, 63,000. Hampton a big Boom. So if the census is anywhere near accurate, I think we'll be closer to 70,000 people. We got 70,000 people in this town. You maybe have a dozen, maybe twenty. That are really making decisions. And some council members are not even in that room, right? So I think we need to really involve community in these decision-making processes, and that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna get where we need to go. But thinking critically about where we're spending money right now and why it's not producing the results that we expect, the solution's not throwing more money there. It's figuring out where the money we're already spending needs to go, and it needs to go somewhere different.
1: Thank, thank you, Brett. That was that was that was a dope answer.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. I know I'm not I'm not the best at brevity, but
1: <laughs> okay, that's good. That's it.
2: Good.
1: So I like how you mentioned also schooling because that's another question that yeah, um, yeah. The, my my Hamden friends uh, also uh, mentioned um, a mother especially uh, she was talking about how the the schools and you were saying about how the money literally is fourteen percent they were getting compared to a budget that what the police were getting yeah and she was concerned about the schools, basically, their schools being closed down and everything, and she doesn't know exactly what kind of, like, her, her kid is very young right now, um, a toddler, so she's trying to figure out what kind of education she could try to get her kid to have the best education in Hamden, she's a person of color as well, too. Um, so, Sorry, go ahead. I- so, again, basically, I'm sorry, I just went on the whole e- e- explaining, but um, basically, is there any plans, um, like, like what would you think should be like the best way and you know this is just an answer that could be changed over time but like do you think there's a a solution to trying to keep these schools up or is there any other options of how for like schools closing and anything how to keep them going or anything
2: so a couple things there right the first thing i'll say is that the unfortunate part about that mother and the decision that she's making about like or the i guess the thought process there right about like what kind of education is my child gonna get, right? The unfortunate thing is, if I'm gonna answer that question honestly, I have to ask what community she lives in, right? Mm-hmm. And like that, that is, that right there, we know we're not on good terms, right? Um, because the, the education that you get, it depends on what elementary school you go to, right? Yeah. Um, and, and not only that, right, but even when you get to the middle school and the high school where, uh, you know, everyone is together in one building, being together in one building does not necessarily mean that students are together getting the same education, right? Because the education and the resources that you had access to in elementary school largely determine the classes that you end up in in middle school, which mm. we see that the classes in middle and high school uh, in Hamden um, are, are very segregated, Right. They are they are very segregated. Um, so, you know, that is that is it's it's an unfortunate reality. But like I couldn't answer that question, honestly, without knowing what school that child is going to end up being districted into. Right. So thinking about that is 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 a critical first step. The other thing is when we talk about the Board of Education getting a 14 percent increase over the previous 10 budgets, not this. I haven't done the math with this current budget because we just got it uh, or we just uh, we just finished it up. Um, but the previous 10 years, 14% increase, right. The problem is that that has disproportionately ended up at 60 Putnam Avenue, like the downtown board of ed offices, right. Mm -hmm. It has ended up with non-contractual administrative raises. It has ended up with new positions. It has ended up, you know, in a myriad of other places that aren't the classroom. Right. And it's not just students that aren't being supported, right. Teachers, you know, paras, uh, custodians, right? Custodians who spent the last two years making sure that classrooms were clean and safe, right? Um, we could talk about administrators like paras, or sorry, administrators like um, principals or, or our paraprofessionals, right? Even our nurses are, are really stretched thin, right? When all of those individuals, the staff and faculty in those buildings are not getting the support, that translates to students not getting support. In addition to the students not getting support, those, those, the staff and faculty is just stretched thin, right? So when we think about board of education budgeting, mm-hmm. we need to be making sure that that money ends up in the classroom and in the, in the building where the students are not at 60 Putnam Avenue. I think that's been one of our most difficult, uh, one of the most difficult things that we have yet to address Um but we also have to talk about equity, right? Because the school district is just currently not equitable in any way, shape, or form. I am excited about a couple of Board of Education candidates, um, right? Like Miriam Khan, who's running. I think she's 19 years old, right? Wow. She's done an amazing job as the student rep on the Board of Education for a couple of years. She's like, I want to stay on, right? So she's she's running for political office right now. And like, I'm really excited to see that um, I think that high school students now and recent graduates are much much, much more present, right? They, they see the problems and they see it as urgent that they get involved and and address them. So I'm excited about the board, some board of education candidates that we have coming up and our ability to work with them to try to fix that. But again, that's another, that's another thing that's going to have to be a lot of people at the table, right? You need teachers, you need paras, you need nurses, you need custodial staff, you need principals, you need parents right special education professionals you need a lot of people at that table right and that also requires that people are at that table from an equity perspective too right you need to have people that knows what it mean that know what it means to be talking about equity not only in the classroom but in terms of talent acquisition and and promotions and that kind of thing right um you know so that's it's uh, forgive me i know that that went in a lot of different directions oh no um, it is. The question it
1: is, I thought was going to go into that direction anyway. Like I just, okay, yeah, it's a lot of different. pieces. Yeah. it's a
2: lot of different pieces, and, and uh, you know, I know Justin is probably going to have his own thoughts, but but I, I, it's it's a lot of different pieces, and a lot of different people are going to have to be at that table to make sure that we are doing what is best for every
1: student. Right? That that's key. Justin uh, what it, what it, what um is there anything else that you would like to add on to that? Um, I know you guys went to the same school, so that's actually a pretty good thing as well. Um, so we went to the same high school um
0: yeah. I'll, I'll I'll say this just to wrap the last thing about the whole idea of defund the police mm-hmm. um, uh, as someone who believes in abolition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cool. like who? right? Like, I, I kind of laugh. We're like, cool. Do police do important work? Yeah. Cool. Yes, they do, right? Uh, do they have to deal with dangerous situations? Absolutely, right? Uh, does the military as well? Absolutely, right? Do I always agree with the decisions that they make? No, right? Um, the abolition and even defunding, right? I I, I laugh. If I said we're going to defund the police 1% each year, right? People would freak out.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God,
0: yeah. 1% means that the abolition of police would happen 100 years from now. (sighs) That's forever from now, fam. I'm like, cool. Like, if we're serious about thinking about public safety and redesigning and rethinking it, Mm-hmm. A, hundred, a, a century is a long time to figure out something, right? Uh, the last thing I'll say on that is that, you know, when you're working from an abolition mindset, right? When you look at slavery, right? People are like, cool, slavery as an institution should be done, right? There'd be time to transition, right? Mm-hmm. But you have people who fought in the American Revolutionary War who waited. Oh, fought in the war and liberation in, in in some sense didn't even come till a century later right until yeah. the civil war right so you have people who fought in the american revolutionary war and their children right and their children's children right mm. actually got to see that promise um when it comes to education right we are talking about um we're talking about 20 years right so every year right we're talking about what will that person's education look like two decades from now will we make the demonstrable changes so that two decades from now they can be a in quotations productive member of society where they will have a job that has uh uh, uh not just value right because workers make wealth right all jobs are inherently Valuable, right? Right. But enough value to make them uh, uh, have an affordable living, right? Until we can change our construct of work, that is not a thing. It should be a thing. But will we prepare them, right? So we're talking about pre K, right? That is uh, something that will be an equalizer. As we know, the first year of birth costs around $20,000, right? But when Mm we look at this, we often leave out equity. We, we love to talk about fairness. Well, fairness, Justin, fairness, cool. Someone in Spring Glen who brings in $200,000 a year, saving $20,000 a year for the first three years, for the first, let's say, three, so three, four, five, right? Up until they're five, right? They save $60,000. Saving $60,000 for that family in Spring Glen means something different. Mm-hmm. than saving $60,000 for someone from Newhall, right? Mm-hmm. And like, if we really want to change, right? If we want to make sure that it doesn't matter what part of town you're talking about, that means we need to have equity. That mm-hmm. means that we need to get rid of these leveled systems, right? Get Having leveled systems is perpetually setting up other students to fail because what we're right. saying is, We're not teaching students how to think critically. We're not teaching them how to achieve to the best of their ability. But what we're doing is we're saying that we're going to put some people on a fast track. And whether they can be prepared for that work or not, we're going to put them on the fast track. And it doesn't even matter, right? There were AP classes. I was in the AP class. There there were kids who were like, yeah, we got D's and C's, right? Mm Mm-hmm but they knew they were gonna get into a good school, right? Or that their grade would be curved because even though the work was hard and everybody was struggling in the class, the grade point average would be curved. So it wouldn't actually affect them the same way, right? right Versus right. you can have a class of kids who are really struggling, are really putting in a work for C's and nobody's gonna say, well, you guys are all putting in work for C's, so we're gonna bump that up to a B. That ain't gonna happen you just cool <laughs> our class right right like we are not preparing our students to actually be educated so we're not teaching them how to critically think so the things that we need to do if we're serious about investing in our education is stop sending all the money to 60 platinum no. two it's having pre-k right three it's having equity right between mm-hmm. the ptas and between the course curriculum and things there needs to be equity the third thing is We need to, right, get rid of the institutional racism in our schools. And when I say that, we know our schools are racially imbalanced, right? Part of that is the silliness of the state where they say you can either be 25% or 75%. So for non-white, the max you can have is 74%, right? We had one school that was almost 25, 25, 25, 25, right? 25, white, black, Hispanic, Asian. And the state was like, that's racially unbalanced. I don't know how they do math, right? Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how they do math. I, Right? Four quarters make a out. Right? That's what I know, right? So part of those changes need to be on the state. But the other part is, right, if we know, right, my... Di- my community i live on the borderline of hamden and new haven i'm six houses from being in new haven three mm-hmm. blocks from the r right mm-hmm. the only reason i go to the best school in town is because it needs to be racially balanced right that was wow. the only reason i went to spring Glen school that was mm-hmm. the only reason why i'm a proud black panther right because mm-hmm. there's so- a few of us people mm-hmm. are always black panther i'm like yeah i'm a spring Glen panther mm-hmm. There's very few black panthers, because there's very few black kids going to the Springland school and our mascot is the Panther. I'm like, oh, you get uncomfortable about that. I'm like, wait until I talk about start talking about actual history and teaching our kids about <laughs> situations, right? Then right. you're gonna be terrified. <laughs> um, right? But I, I I would say the things that we need to do is have equity, mm-hmm. start earlier with education, then the third thing. It's post-education, right? Our high schools do a piss-poor job at transitioning. So the students who aren't ready for college, we're not transitioning and telling students, hey, you should go to Job Corps, right? And go and get an education. And then maybe instead of taking a year off, you are taking a year where you're learning skill and you can get some bread in your pocket and then go to college. We're not transitioning people to trade schools and saying, all right, we we're to send you... Right, we're starting to do that with advanced manufacturing, but they're right. EMT certificate, right? If you get your EMT certificate, right, you can get that by the time you can do that while you're 16, 17. By the time you're 18, have that certificate and start making bread, right? Same with your OSHA certification, right? We're not teaching students to be successful. So if we fail them, the ability to have critical thinking and we're not pointing them in the direction of marketable skills, and we're telling them, go to college and spend a ton of money, and hopefully you'll figure it out, we are setting students up for failure because we are saddling them with debt before they even have a concept or idea of what debt is Mm -hmm. and the significance of that debt. So I hope I answered your question.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, you guys, yeah. Yeah, and um, I wanted to share because you you said something about, like, how they push students through, and I'm a victim of that. Um, I was kept back twice. I was uh, turning 16 in the eighth grade, um, and my math skills, English skills, all that stuff was not good, and they pushed me to high school. They made me skip eighth grade and made me become a freshman in uh, at Harding High School. Um, this is in Bridgeport. Um, and it was such a struggle it was such a struggle my greeting late my reading labels my, everything um, and I ended up graduating late but I still was able to get into college um, and I dropped out went back got a 4 4.0 but it was me teaching myself and I'm by the way I'm a i'm a um I'm a dropout again <laughs> I got a 4.0 I did I got the press and now I mean, maybe I'll go back one day, but I'm in a lot of college debt now, so (laughs) we'll see how that goes. Um, But yeah, I I totally agree. They push these students. They don't actually take the time, and I think there was a slogan that they was like, we want kids to be college ready. Um, I don't know if they was using that same slogan in Hamden, but that's what they said in Bridgeport. And the superintendent, he made sure that they would have kids pushed and skipped to make it look good, but when you look at these kids and me being one of them these kids grades they were not up to par wherever they got skipped at they were not up to par they were only skipped because they were probably becoming a teenager in middle school or they were only skipped because they were probably becoming too old for elementary school whatever situation that is but it did it work no it did not and what do we have from that we have more poverty and why is there more poverty because of education because of income all the things that we're talking about this right now all the things we're talking about right now and they just put a blind eye and i don't know if that's still a philosophy that they are continuing to do but if they are then y'all are assholes (laughs) because it didn't work it didn't work i'm a living example the only reason why i was able to buckle down and get better was because i put that initiative in myself and i had good support until i started getting depressed that's the only reason why. It was the community that taught me that. It wasn't the school, and I think that the schools will understand that. They will get an understanding of what exactly goes on. But like you also said, Justin, that there's a racist system within as well too. And I, I believe you also mentioned that too, Brad. And there is there's a huge structural racist system in it. And I'm so happy that you guys uh, brought that up about the issues with school because it's such a big. This is just like it's not like one answer, like like how like Bernie Sanders will be like, we're going to get rid of that. You know, Bernie Sanders will probably even go into the details on that as well, too, because it's just so much that goes on. There's so much that goes on. And it's all about the neighborhood. I also went to a school in Trumbull and I lived in Bridgeport. The reason why I was able to go to school in Trumbull is because I got jumped (laughs) in my bomb was like, I got to get my kid out of here. So I ended up going to a performing arts school after she pled to the uh, principal to accept me because she'd been trying to get me in for the last two years since I've been in high school. So that's another thing. (laughs) It had to be trauma for me to try to get another higher education, higher education and everything. (laughs) So, you know, I, I resonate with everything that you all are talking about when it comes to schooling there's so many layers to that and um i think that i feel like whoever is watching this podcast um i honestly i feel like for the first time i got more views than i actually re- you normally do on live so that's cool pretty cool so whoever is seeing this i hope they all it also resonates with them as well too um because that is these are really good conversations that we're having and i have a little i don't know if this is actually a fun question but the last question since we're going into the hour um the last question, um, do you guys think, well, not what do you guys think, um, what are you guys going to do about the potholes in hand? <laughs> that was the comic relief question that we had last night. They were like, yo, because it's worse than New Haven, fam. Like, that's what they told <laughs> me.
0: Fam, I'm going a, I'm to a jump right into this one because
1: I <laughs>
0: – Right, infrastructure, right? I don't even want to hear Build Back Better. I'm like, yo, we need to just – fit the bill, right? I'm like, so cool. We have not done a capital project in six years, which means we have not bonded out money, meaning borrow money from banks to say we are going to hook up our roads, fix our sidewalks, deal with our storm restraints, deal with auxiliary equipment that we need for our departments for them to do their best jobs, right? I, for the last two and a half years, almost three years at this point, i have been like, we need a capital budget every single budget i'm like fam we need a capital budget where is the capital budget i'd like to see the capital budget when are we getting our capital budget can i get the last five year actuals for department requests for a capital budget can i get a plan for the capital budget how much money are we going to allocate for our roads how many how much money are we going to do for potholes right I've been asking, 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 asking. I was like, the other day I said, man, if me asking for the capital budget was a kid, they'd be two years old now. (laughs) So, right? I have a street, Armory Street, right? There's a busted pipe underneath. A ton of the pipes are too small in town. In some spots in town, we actually have wooden pipes to which the... Water allows the wood to petrify and become solid and concrete-like. Mm. So it still works. And mm. some we have wooden pipes. You would need a capital project, right, to spend the money, to put in new pipes, to expand the pipes, have bigger pipes, especially with all this flooding, right? I mentioned Germany, and I mentioned China earlier. Mm-hmm. All their flooding problems, right? Hamden is actually a perpetual flood zone. Hamden mm. The town of Hamden is actually a valley that people Mm -hmm. don't actually really understand that it is. And it's actually a bowl, right? Similar to New Orleans in many respects. And we Mm -hmm. actually have a river running through our town, right? Mm. Krippiak River, right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So we're actually in four different flood zones.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that.
0: Cool. I'm going to just put it plain. We need a capital budget, right? (laughs) The next council meeting, right? I told the finance director, the next capital meeting, I'm expecting a capital budget. If there is not one, I am putting you on blast, right? It's not even a question. You got to catch this heat if I don't get my capital budget,
1: right? Right,
0: right. My constituents don't want to hear, oh, Jay, it's going to take $3 million to fix Armory because it's leaking underneath the road and that's why there's so many... Nah, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear what is the plan that you are going to put in place to fix the issues? How are we going to set aside our bread to make sure that the issues get fixed? Tired of excuses, tired of backlog. And I promise you, because I've been saying this all year, I'm like, we need a capital budget so that we can all do it fairly. If for whatever reason, the mayor decides to cut up the roads and streets in a way that's not equitable, that ends up, You know, uh, having certain communities get their roads and sidewalks fixed better or faster than other communities, you want to catch this heat because I've said it all year that it should be equal and equitable, right? We all live in this town. We all pay taxes. We all deserve better quality of life. So I'm glad you asked that question because I wasn't trying to turn up, right? Like everybody else, right? Quality of life issues. We pay way too much right. taxes, right? And right. people come to us and like, bro, why didn't you get this done? I'm like, yo, go talk to the mayor. Ask <laughs> the mayor how you going to be mayor for six years and not spend any demonstrable money and make a plan to fix sidewalks and roads. Don't ask me that. Go ask the dude you vote for mayor,
1: right? Wait, so Mayor Lane hasn't done. Six so to be years. clear, for six years, yo he's been in office
0: budget so we've done a little patches wow. we've taken a little grant money here and fix this we've taken a little grant money here and do that right mm-hmm. but we have not gone out to bond out money for a capital budget i'll uh, this is the last thing i'll say i would like us to set aside a million two million three million right in our budget to actually put towards sidewalks and roads we should yeah. never ever ever go like, oh, we got to go to the bank and borrow money. Uh, and if we can't afford to do that, I guess we're just not going to fix roads and sidewalks. We should right. never, ever, ever, right? You're not going to be able to bond all that money out to do it all the time, but you right. should have a program. And, and this is the last, last thought. Mayor Jackson was like, hey, when he was mayor like six years ago, it costs about 3 to $5 million a year to patch our roads and to fix our sidewalks to keep us current. Just to keep everything level and status quo five years ago, cost us three to $5 million. This year, our capital budget is only 10 million and only 3 million is going to sidewalks and paving.
1: Hmm.
0: If we're serious about this issue, we're going to set aside uh, the money. Director uh, Austin, who is our town engineer, has a plan, right? He he made a plan as far as twenty years, right? The question is, what are we going to do to make sure we have the money in the budget to do so? So, I apologize, I'm done. <laughs> well,
2: if yeah. I can, if I can, I mean, like, <laughs> I love that infrastructure was the first, like, I think it was like the first word you said, right? Like that's that's what it is. It's not just maintenance, right? filling potholes is, is made it's that's less than bandaid, right? Cause as soon as the weather changes, the roads are going to shift and right. that, that filling is just going gonna, gonna to pop right out, right? It's going to be another pothole in six months, right? Or, right? or less, right? So we need to think critically about infrastructure and our plan there. And it needs to be holistic. So we can talk about public transportation infrastructure. We can talk about, you know, all the other things that we need to, that we need to do in terms of infrastructure, fiber optics, uh, where you know Justin talks a lot about the water systems. There's parts of Route Ten, our major throughway, that don't have sewer systems. People are on like what? Whitney Avenue are on sewer, are they're on septic, right? It's, it, it's asinine, right? That's um, so I'm like, cool. For decades, we have we are decades behind on infrastructure development. But also, then you had you had the housing crisis in 2008, and then the subsequent budget shortfall. You had a problem where one of the things that they just stopped doing was paving roads. So you have this massive backlog of, of roads, among other things, right? Roads, sidewalks, and like ton other constituent requests and basic, basic maintenance, right? All maintenance stopped. We have fire stations that are just falling apart. Right. And, and uh, so I could, I could go on about this. I think Justin said it perfectly though, It's about a critical plan for infrastructure development. Right. Right. Um, right. There are things that we could do in the short term, right? Uh, there are different ways that we could fill potholes so that they don't pop out when the weather changes, right? There's new technology that we could invest in, different stuff that is more flexible that doesn't pop out, right? So we could be there are band-aids out there that are better for the short term, but we have to think holistically about building a plan to get us back. And like like Justin said, every year that we wait, that plan becomes more expensive annually, right? So that that is urgent especially if we're talking about not just infrastructure but if we're talking about financial security right our our right. financial future right it is predicated on building a plan that gets us somewhere before that cost becomes too, too burdensome to buy in um right. and we have then at that point we're we're in a different position having a different conversation um so i'll leave it at that
1: oh man thank you brad thank you justin for coming on my uh, podcast and this was a great conversation, very educational, and I hope that um, all, all the viewers also enjoy this as well, too. Um, you'll definitely find this out on Spotify and all other platforms um, tomorrow afternoon, um, and I want to thank you all for your time. Th- please please come again. Uh, you know, season two is going to happen. Season four is going to happen. Whichever season is going to happen, you are always welcome, guys, and this, this is a dope conversation we had. So I just want to say, um, do you guys have any uh, last final words? Uh, I like to end it that way because, you know, set the mood. <laughs> reach
0: out, reach out, reach out, reach uh, out. We cannot do this work without you. Um, so you can link me on all social media platforms, um, everything except for um, Reddit and uh, um, um, Tumblr, right? Everything else, you can find me, Justin for CT, J-U-S-T-I-N-F-O-R-C-T, right? You can find me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I got the TikTok, right? So <laughs> do that dance be like, cool, infrastructure. <laughs> right? Like, link me, because uh, there's tons of work to do. Um, and also, if you have ideas or thoughts about what you would like to see, feel free to share that as well. And <laughs> so Thank you, thank
1: you, thank you. Jamar for having us. Thank you so much for being on.
2: I'll I'll do the same thing. I'll plug the social media uh, at Brad McDowell on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, You know, I I think it's critically important that we are, you know, it, it takes a village, right? This is not something that Justin and I can do alone. Uh, it requires everybody getting in together and pitching in to change these things to make this radical change. So link up, uh, throw your ideas out there. Um, there's always work to be done and we need help with that work. Um, you can also add to our email list. If you go to Brad for Hamden, Brad for Hamden.com. Um, you can uh, throw your info in there and stay in touch with the campaign and what we're doing there. Um, it's all about, you know, addressing this as a community so again not something we could do alone and thank you uh for having us on i this this is pretty cool and um the conversations you have are, are incredibly important i appreciate you including us in that
1: oh thank you thank you so much and you guys have a really good day um and be safe you too and be safe everyone else uh, that's out there listening be safe everybody have a good day <laughs>